Please stand with us and sing. Here to worship, we're here to sing your praise, we're here to love you, we're here to seek your face, oh God, let your light fill this place. We're here to worship, we're here to bless your name, we're here to honor our Lord and gracious King, oh God, be enthroned in our praise oh god hear our cries so come and shower down your love come and meet us with your touch we yield our hearts give you our thoughts we're here for only you oh god We're here to worship, we're here to sing your praise, we're here to love you, we're here to seek your face, oh God, let your life fill this place. We're here to worship, we're here to bless your name, we're here to honor our Lord and gracious King, oh God, be enthroned in our praise. Oh God, hear our cries, so come and shower down your love. Come and meet us with your touch. We yield our hearts, give you our thoughts. We're here for only you, oh God. So come and shower down your love. Come and meet us with your touch. We yield our hearts, give you our thoughts. We're here for only you, oh God. Amen, and please be seated. And now we are going to read an entire book today, but it's not really an entire book. It's just one short letter written by Paul to a man named Philemon. So it had most of the verses in the lectionary. I figure we might as well read the whole thing because it is only 25 verses long, and I think we can manage that, don't you? Uh, and so we're going to read Paul's letter to Philemon. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background before we read. Philemon was a Christian that we can assume was converted by Paul, and then Philemon Philemon had slaves, and one slave was Onesimus, and Onesimus fled from Philemon and ran to Paul, and Paul is writing this letter asking, in a way like only Paul could ask, for Philemon to free Onesimus and not to penalize him for fleeing. Uh, and so we're going to read this entire letter. Sorry if I just spoiled it for you, uh, but if you are, uh, you can see it's page 1090 in your pew Bibles, or if you have a large print, it's in the New Testament, page two. 294. And if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? amen. Starting with verse 1. 
Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When I remember you in my prayers, I always thank my God because I hear of your love for all the saints and your faith toward the Lord Jesus. I pray that your sharing of your faith may become effective when you perceive all the good that we may do for Christ. I have indeed received much joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, my brother. Can you tell he's buttering Philemon up, by the way? Uh, For this reason, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do your duty, yet I would rather appeal to you on the basis of love, and I, Paul, do this as an old man and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I am appealing to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I have become during my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, that is my own heart, back to you. See what Paul's doing here. I'm sending my own heart back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that he might be of service to me in your place during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your good deed might be voluntary and not something forced. Perhaps this is the reason that he was separated from you for a while so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you welcomed me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. One thing more, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping through your prayers to be restored to you. Ephesus, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristocras, uh, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That, by the way, is a compelling letter. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. 
and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine Your grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you've never failed and you won't start now. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And I will call upon your Keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours and you are mine Amen Now, before we pray, you know that this is a big uh, year for us.
where he just uh, turned 174, and next year we turn 175. So, by the way, the NFL is doing the same thing that we're doing, uh, whereas we're celebrating our whole entire year as our 175th year, and so we'll finish celebrating next September. We have so much happening with our 175th year, but the NFL is apparently celebrating their 100th year, and they're doing the same exact thing. So, hey, great minds think alike. Uh, but it's a uh, it's a wonderful thing, but you know that when it comes April, that'll be my 10 years here, but I believe that we just hit David's nine years here and Marcel too. So we've now had them here with us for nine years. Just crazy how time flies when you're having fun, but just I was just sitting there listening and thinking about that. So it's such a, we're so blessed in so many ways. And so let us join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for all of the blessings that you bestowed upon us in all of these years of ministry. We thank you for bringing so many different people to us. We thank you for allowing us to continue to be the church and, and to grow every year. Thank you, Lord. We just stop and pause for a moment to thank you. And now, Lord, as we meditate upon this word, we ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds. May all that we do and all that we say be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So this is our church sign outside. This is what it looks like. I'm sure many of you drive by it and sometimes see the sayings. It's a good thing I'm in charge of it, by the way, and not Tim. Otherwise, the jokes would probably be a lot cornier, don't you think, Tim? Uh, but uh, this is one of the sign sayings that I put up there sometimes because, well, I, I just love it. Be the kind of person your dog thinks you are. Now, how many dog parents do we have here? I'm not talking about just dog owners, but dog parents. You know what I mean. Those dogs that just love you so very much. Uh, I always called them my fur babies. I remember another pastor when I was pregnant with Taylor telling me that I wasn't going to love my dogs as much. Pastors say ridiculous things sometimes. But, you know, that I wasn't going to lo love my dogs as much after my daughter was born because I'd be so concerned consumed with that love. That was the most ridiculous thing anybody's ever said to me. I remember, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I'm going to tell you anyways. I remember when Taylor was a baby and, uh, and Trevor hadn't built our, we had redone our floors because what else do you do when you're nine months pregnant and having a newborn baby? And so Trevor had to build a new custom railing for us, but the new railing wasn't up and it was fine because our baby was a newborn. She wasn't crawling yet. But uh, my Eddie one day was so excited and then he fell off the edge. He was okay. But I remember being like, I couldn't grab him because I had my other baby and it was so torn because they were both my babies you know if you're a dog parent you know those furry little things are are your babies this goes for cats too I'm sure uh, but you know our dogs think that we're the most amazing people no matter you know what our day could be like we might have a ridiculous day or maybe we're people who get a little angry when we're driving sometimes anybody ever do that on occasion I'll confess I don't get angry but I do sometimes like I I talk to people in other cars and I don't understand them. 
but maybe we're not having the best day or, or we're not being the best coworker. Maybe we're not being the best spouse or, or parent or partner or anything. And then we get home and who is so excited to see us? Oh, those furry little creatures. And they think that we are the most amazing creatures in the world. My dog Charlie has a heart condition, so I have to be really careful when I get home because he, you know, can't get too excited. But our, our furry little creatures think that we are saints. They're like, oh, here's the person who who takes me to get exercise. Here's the person who who pets me. Here's the person who feeds me. Like, oh, my my saint is home. They they think we're saints, don't they? But are we? Uh, Not necessarily. But just imagine if we tried to act like the people that our dogs think that we are. Just imagine if we tried to be good, as good as they think that we are. Well, the Apostle Paul went around preaching and teaching. He and the other apostles and all of the church leaders, they traveled from place to place, and they preached, and they taught, and they told people about Jesus. And then when people heard the the news about Jesus and they were inspired, then they would baptize those people, and they would enter them into the church of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. When when Paul and, and Peter and all of the other apostles went around preaching and getting people to become Christians, converting people to Christianity, they expected more out of those people. They weren't just going to get people to to believe in Christ and then have them live their lives exactly the same way that they always had. Instead, they went to teach people about Jesus, and then they wanted them to change the way that they lived their lives. They were sharing this this, um, mind-blowing message that Jesus had taught that you're supposed to love your neighbor. Now that doesn't sound like a very mind-blowing message today, but back then it was a message that just kind of blew the minds that you're supposed to love your neighbor because who was your neighbor? We know this. We just went through the Good Samaritan story this summer. Who was your neighbor? Was it the person that you really, really like? Yeah. Was it the person that you don't really, really like? Was it that curmudgeon of a neighbor that lives behind the stream from you? I'm just saying, does anybody else have one of those? (laughs) That we're supposed to love our neighbors. He was teaching this revolutionary message about love, that that God loves you unconditionally, but also then that you need to to go and love. And, And so they're going around and they're teaching everybody all this message about Jesus, but then they're expecting them to live a little bit differently too. They want them to change the way that they live their lives. They wanted them to start thinking and and acting a little bit differently and not just saying that they believed in Jesus, but also showing that they were his followers. But change isn't something that happens overnight, is it? Change is so difficult. Think about anything that you ever have to change. If you have to change your routine, we've got our kids going back to school. Getting kids back into that back-to-school routine, is that an easy thing to do? Absolutely not. Change is not easy. And so when you have to change the way that you act in the world, it's extremely difficult. Take Philemon, for example. So Philemon is the one who Paul wrote this letter to. Philemon was a wealthy man, and Philemon Philemon was one of those people who heard Jesus and who listened, who heard Paul talk about Jesus and who listened to all that Paul had to say about Jesus. And Philemon was inspired, and he was—he just wanted to to make a difference. He wanted to pledge his life. He wanted to be baptized. And but the, here's the thing about Philemon. 
He was a wealthy man, and like a lot of wealthy men at that time, unfortunately, as sad as it is, he was also a slave owner. He had servants. He had slaves, and he had this one slave whose name was, who can remember that slave's name? And no pastors. We've got like four pastors here, three pastors, no pastors. Who else? Can anybody remember the name? I heard it. Well, you're a pastor's wife. Was that you? That doesn't count. (laughs) <laughs> but good job. Uh, Onesimus. So Onesimus was the, was the slave of Philemon. And I'm sure he had, he unfortunately probably had others as well. But so here's Philemon. He's this new convert. And when he was converted, it wasn't just Philemon. Because what would happen is people would go around teaching and they'd go around preaching and, and households would be converted. Entire households would be converted. So when Philemon heard the good news about Jesus, it wasn't just him hearing the good news. It was also his family. And it wasn't just his family. It was also his servants and his slaves. They were all hearing the good news about Jesus. And then all of them were in all of this good news. And then all of them were baptized. But Philemon, he didn't really change the way that he lived his life. He and he had his whole entire family and everybody baptized. It was this wonderful thing. But And I'm sure maybe Philemon started giving some some of his wealth, some of his money to fund the ministry of Paul. So he was doing some good, but did he set his servants free? No. And then here's the thing. So we know if we open up Paul's letter to the Galatians, we know that Paul said some profound things to people who own slaves because we know that Paul's the one who said that there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I'm just going to assume that there is a chance that when Paul was with Philemon's household that maybe he said something like that. Maybe he said something about how we are all equal now, how there's no longer slave or free that we are all one in the in the Lord and maybe just maybe Onesimus heard those words and maybe for the first time in his young life he hold he heard these words and and he was just so inspired he it was the first time that he ever heard a liberating message so maybe after Paul left and Onesimus had heard these words he wanted to follow Paul we don't know the whole story this is the problem with letters you don't get all the details so we don't have all of the details here but in some way Onesimus left, and he went, and he ran to follow Paul. But you know what that made Onesimus? A fugitive. (laughs) A runaway slave. What happened to runaway slaves at that time? I don't want to know. Tell you the truth, I could have Googled it. I didn't really want to. So Onesimus, you know, he, he ran away and he went to follow Paul and then he found Paul and then he was with Paul. And, and you know, I love how Paul writes this letter because his heart is just so moved, you know. And he, so Paul, you know, he gets to know Onesimus and Onesimus comes and finds him. And then Paul starts to see Onesimus not just as this, as this slave, but as this runaway kid, this kid who ran away, who heard the message of Jesus, who heard this redemptive, liberating message of love and who was just so inspired. And so, 
Paul writes this letter to Philemon, this letter that I love. Didn't you love that letter? Wasn't it phenomenal? It, it to me, is just one of the most amazing letters. So he writes this letter convincing Philemon that it doesn't matter what he's legally required to do. Legally, he can do whatever he wants to Onesimus. Legally, Onesimus was likely sold from his family because his family had a debt to Philemon. Legally, Philemon could do anything that he wanted to Onesimus. He was his servant. But legally, doing, the, uh, doing what's legal isn't always doing what's right, is it? Doing what's legally required of you isn't that much. Have you ever thought about the fact that it is perfectly legal to be a complete jerk in this world? It is perfectly legal to be the biggest jerk, to be a curmudgeon of a neighbor. Anybody else have one of those? <laughs> Most of my neighbors are amazing. It is perfectly legal to be a jerk. But is it the right thing to do? And so Paul wrote to Philemon, and, and he told him that, you know, you, it might be the legal thing to do, that you can do whatever you want, but how about you start choosing what the right thing is? What's the right thing to do here? Is the right thing to keep this young man as a slave or, or to penalize him for running away? Or is the right thing to do to set him free and to let him join the ministry along my, by my side? What's the right thing to do? Now, how many of you have read that uh, book, In His Steps? It was written in the late 1800s. Give me a little raise of your hand if you've read the book, In His Steps. It's that book that What Would Jesus Do comes from. Uh, it's an amazing book, so I'm going to give you some homework. Go home and read that book. If you ever have some extra time to read an extra book, there's a bazillion copies of it because they didn't copyright, the publisher didn't copyright the book right, so anybody could publish the book. So there's so many different copies of the book in his steps. And it's the book that the phrase, what would Jesus do, comes from. Because in this book, what happens is there is this pastor, and somebody comes to the pastor and asks for help. And the pastor kind of, you know, poo-poo's him, like, oh, just go away, you're bugging me. And maybe the pastor was having a bad day. And so he kind of tells the person to go away. But then the man comes to the church the next day and says that that church lacks compassion. That changes the way that the pastor starts to look at things. And so the pastor starts to open his eyes a little and start to walk around. And, and he starts to ask his, himself the question, what would Jesus do? You ever seen those what would Jesus do bracelets? I was going to buy you those, but I didn't know how many of you would wear rubber bra bracelets on a daily basis. So instead, I decided that maybe you all wanted a cross. If you didn't get a cross when you walked into the sanctuary, make sure you get one as you walk out of the sanctuary. Here's the thing that we might not have the same struggles as Philemon did, or Paul. Most of us aren't getting put in, put in prison for uh, spreading the message of Jesus Christ. You know, we're not being imprisoned or anything like that. So we don't have the same dilemmas of them, but still we do have a dilemma because every day we get to make choices and we get to choose things like, do we just do what's legally or socially required of us or do we go the extra step? What would Jesus do? Do we just do what we have to do, what we are forced to do, or do we voluntarily take that extra step? Do we all voluntarily do what is good and what is right and what is kind and what is loving? That's a choice we get to make every day. So I want you guys to take these crosses with you. Put it somewhere. If you're the kind of person that gets a little bit of road rage, by the way, Western New York has a lot of road rage. 
Maybe if you're the kind of person, just yesterday I saw a driver who was so distracted on his cell phone and I, it just, you know, annoyed me. Maybe you're that kind of person who needs the reminder in their car, hey, cell phones aren't for use while I'm driving. <laughs> Maybe if you're the kind of person who just sometimes starts the day on the wrong foot, you know, I want you to, to put this cross where it should be, in the car, Maybe tape to your bathroom mirror so you see it every day when you're brushing your teeth. Wherever you need it to be. Take this cross. There's extras. Take one. Give it to a friend. And think all the time, what would Jesus do? Am I doing what is right in the eyes of God, or I'm just, am I just doing what I'm required to do? What would Jesus do? Because I promise you, Jesus would do what is right in the eyes of God even if sometimes we really don't want to do all of that hard work. So take these with you. And maybe this year, we can be changed even more. And let us join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for not leaving us the same as we were when we first came to faith. We thank you for helping us to evolve into more faithful Christians. We thank you for teaching us not just to profess our faith with words, but to use our faith to change our actions. We thank you, Lord, and we ask that you inspire us to change even more, to be more loving, to be more kind, to be more compassionate. Help us to do more every day. We pray this all through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our morning worship with our tithes and offerings.
let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. 